It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Rico Bronia, the mailbag edition of Rico Bronia. We'll answer, I don't know, a handful of your questions from Twitter. Before we get to that, though, a couple of news and notes from the last couple of days. Number one, it is so crazy to me how the Jacob deGrom rumors have evolved. Uh, If you go back a month, if you go back two months, if you go back to the start of this offseason, the perception was Jacob deGrom hates us, doesn't want to be here, can't wait to leave New York. That was the, the buzz around Jacob deGrom and that, you know, as much as the Mets may offer Jake, he just doesn't want to be here. And so they're going to lose him. The other day, Mike Puma and the New York Post had a report that has completely changed the narrative around what we thought we thought about Jacob DeGrom. And that is the idea that Jake A likes it here, P wants to come back. And if the Mets offer, can it just be comparable to the biggest offer he gets? DeGrom would prefer to stay. And what's crazy about this, assuming that's true, because obviously we talked ourselves into the fact that DeGrom hated us not that long ago and couldn't wait to leave. But that fits what Jake has said publicly. You know, every report or every belief that we had about Jake not wanting to be here was never created by anything he had ever said publicly. I had played a clip on the fan. I tweeted out a clip from Jake from spring training of this past year in which Jacob deGrom says, I'm going to opt out. I'm going to keep the Mets abreast of the situation the entire time. I love being here. And I think it's really cool to spend your entire career with one team. And for whatever reason, we all sort of forgot about that or all sort of didn't believe it. So the last couple of days and really the last couple of weeks, it feels like there's this momentum shift, not towards the Mets necessarily keeping deGrom, but that he doesn't necessarily just want to leave. And that really what the Mets have to do is just pay him, which is any other free agent or any other guy that opts out. He wants to get paid. He wants to make the most money of any starting pitcher. Obviously, years are going to be a factor. Uh, So really, here's where I'm at now with Jake, and I think this is where we should all be at. This is now on the Mets, that this is no longer a fear of, oh, my God, he's going to take less money to go to Atlanta. Oh, my God, he's going to take less money to go to Texas. Right now, it seems as if if the Mets are willing to pay him, if the Mets are willing to give him the right amount of years, he's willing to stay. And I'm going to tell you right now, 
because I don't want to get nuts before anything happens, the Mets can't lose him now. It would be unacceptable for the Mets to lose Jacob DeGrom over not wanting to pay him a third year or a fourth year. So I don't know if your feeling has changed off, but the fact that it seems like Jake likes us, he really likes us, and wants to stay, does that make you a little bit more confident that he's going to be re-signed? Well, I don't think I was ever one of those guys that was uh, fully on board that he was leaving. I thought that if it was going to come down to a money situation, because ultimately at the end, like I, I still think that like a guy like Degrom still ha- wants to get paid. That's that's it, and I think that Steve Cohen would pay the max. So I, 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 I guess I'm doubling down now. I feel, I feel great. I'm not saying I feel fit a hundred percent, but like I'm as optimistic as possible. The the other interesting rumor is that the Mets have had contact with Justin Verlander. They had like a little Zoom meeting with Justin Verlander, and you know, as much as we love Steve Cohen's deep pockets, the Mets are not signing Justin Verlander in conjunction with Degrom and Scherzer. They would be signing Degrom or Verlander, I should say, to replace Jacob Degrom. And despite Verlander's brilliant 2022 season. Uh, it's a backup plan. You know, I know Verlander was better this past year and obviously has had just an all-time career. But it, it, to me, it's not ideal to replace DeGrom, who is still five years younger with Justin Verlander. So I don't have a problem with the Mets talking to him because you have to have a backup plan. You know, you never know what's going to happen. But I am not one that prefers Verlander over Jacob DeGrom. You're, you're signing a free agent in the case of the Mets, re-signing a free agent with an eye on what you think is going to happen the next few years. And despite DeGrom's inability to stay healthy over the last few years, I would still, and this is not even my my biases or my, hey, I'd rather go down with my own guy theories anymore. This is just strictly who would I bet on over the next three years? I'm not even the Mets. Let's say I'm the Texas Rangers. Who am I betting on over the next three years? DeGrom versus Verlander? I think I would still bet DeGrom because at 40 years old, now another year removed from Tommy John surgery, the end is going to come. I mean, it's just, it's going to come with Verlander. So I think it's more realistic that Ver, that DeGrom has a few more dominant seasons left than it is Verlander. The other pitching rumor that's very interesting, and I know will bother some Met fans, is the idea that the other free agent starting pitcher they've talked with is Jamison Tyone. Now, Jamison Tyone is the kind of guy that you sign to replace Taiwan Walker. And watching both guys over the last couple of years, I think it's safe to say, at least for me, I'd rather have Taiwan Walker than Jamison Tyone. That's the way I look at it. Now, Tyone this past year with the Yankees went out and made 32 starts, and that's really what you want from a back-of-the-rotation arm, and he had a 3.9 ERA. Taiwan Walker made 29 starts, so made pretty much a full season worth of starts and had a 3.49 ERA. So about a half a run better. Ty did not fall off in the second half the way he did the year before because the final numbers from 2021, and I think Walker and Tyone are an interesting comparison because they're both New York pitchers. They were both acquired for the 2021 season. They're separated by one year in age. Tyone's a year older. So it's like a nice, even two-year comparison. And those would be the years I'd look at because Tyone didn't pitch at all in 2020. And 2020, Taiwan Walker pitched, but it's also like a weird season to look at. In 2021, 
Taiwan made the 29 starts. He had a 4-4 ERA. Tyone made 29 starts. He had a 4-3 ERA. So Tyone had a better year. But I still look at Walker's overall season. While the numbers aren't as good as Tyone, Taiwan Walker was an all-star in the first half of 2021. And what happened was he was so bad in the second half, it kind of jaded all those numbers. Now, did he have a better year than Tyone in 2021? Look, consistency matters. And the fact that Walker completely fell off a cliff is a factor here. But I think over the course of the two years that Taiwan Walker's been here and the course of the two years that Tyone was with the Yankees, I think pound for pound, Taiwan Walker's been better. And I think if you replace Walker with Tyone, while it's not night and day, I think it's a downgrade. And again, like I said about DeGrom and Verlander, you're betting on the next few years. It's not just simply what I discussed, which is, hey, who's been better the last two years? It's what's going to happen in 23, what's going to happen in 24. And if I'm a betting man, I'd be more likely to bet on the success of Taiwan Walker than I would Jamison Tyone. It's not a huge downgrade. So I don't want to act like it's end of the world kind of stuff, but I do think you're better off re-signing Walker than you are adding Jamison Tyone. But these are backup plans. I think. I, mean, I think that's the way you're looking at it. If you're Billy Epler, you're going to talk to a lot of starting pitchers because you want to make sure that you have your bases covered in case you lose a guy or two. Now, before we get to your questions, Mets made a few moves this week with the 40-man roster. They made the trade with the Miami Marlins where they acquired Elisar Hernandez and Jeff Brigham. I'm actually more intrigued by Brigham because I think Brigham could very well be on the kind of bullpen chart of eight, nine guys, and, you know, possibly be on the opening day roster at the start of the season. Both guys have options. Brigham had a decent year last year. Hernandez, like, he's got good stuff. He's still relatively young. But you basically acquired him to replace Trevor Williams. And he has not been nearly as good as what Trevor Williams was last year for the Mets. It sucks that they're going to lose Trevor Williams. But I think when you trade for Elias or Hernandez, you're viewing him as a swing guy. Now, the Mets have a couple of swing guys. Joey Lucchese, assuming he's healthy, could be a swing guy. Uh, depending on how many starters they add, Tyler McGill or David Peterson may be a swing guy. Jose Budo, who we saw, and it wasn't good. But let's not get rid of him because of one bad start in Philly. But he has a chance to be a swing guy. It's a no harm, no foul deal. You know, assuming the prospect they traded, Franklin Sanchez, who's many years away, doesn't become some future stud four years from now. It was just about adding more depth. Kind of like when they acquired this William Woods from the way uh, on waivers from the Braves, 23-year-old arm. You're just trying to throw as many arms as possible because you never know. Maybe Jeremy Hefner a, is a genius and he's going to turn Elias or Hernandez into the next young stud in baseball. But there's nothing that Hernandez did with Miami over the last four years, that excites me about it. But you never know. Uh, sometimes you acquire a low-end starting pitcher and you've got your gurus that figure something out. They didn't acquire any of the guys I mentioned. <laughs> the lefties from last week who were DFA at Harlan Garcia and Ryan Yarbrough. But it's a long offseason. I am confident the Mets will add a lefty at some point. And one other thought before we get to the mailbag. Brandon Nimmo's contract. And I remember when we did the Brandon Nimmo 
uh, addition of Rico Bronia. We both predict that he's going to get paid. He's going to get a big contract. There in our reports, Jeff Passon put it out there a few days ago, that he is going to get $130 million, that he is going to get paid in such a huge way. And I'm not surprised because we basically said it, but when you hear the figures out loud, it makes you pause and say, damn, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. I, I'm not deathly, deathly afraid of giving it to him because I think if Brandon Nimmo's healthy, and that's the ultimate question with him, can he stay healthy, which he did this past season, I think he's the engine of this offense. He's an incredibly productive player. I don't think this is it for him in terms of where he would go as a player. Like, I think he could get better. I really do. I think Brandon Nimmo's one of those baseball players who's continuing to ascend. So I know on the surface, $130 million may make you cringe and it may feel like an overpay. And it probably is, but I'm not looking and hearing that number and saying, oh my God, I can't pay him. Like, I don't have that reaction to it. And like we talked about, you also have to replace him. And replacing him is going to be very, very difficult. You know, Cody Bellinger, who did get non-tendered by LA, while he's a nice backup plan, I don't trust him. You know, I can't predict that Cody Bellinger is going to go back to the guy he was three years ago. I think it's more likely they fix this internally, like we talked about last time, which involves Marte playing center, McNeil playing right. Maybe you add another middle infielder. And that's not ideal. You don't get better doing something like that. So if ultimately the Mets have to pay Brandon Nimmo $130 million, I'm not going to freak out. The funny thing is, like, I'm not a Nimmo supporter at all. Like, I actually am so, like, I, I, I feel like we can upgrade with like like you said Trey Turner somebody that they could bring in you'll spend more money but you know what you're getting and you know he's high leverage and he's just a phenomenal five tool player however the one thing that Brandon Nimmo and I will I will forever compare him to Hunter Pence he brings intangibles to the game to his to the team that no one else can there are certain things that you can't put on stats that he brings to the table that you'll miss if he's not around yeah, the, the the only concern I have about Brandon Nimmo is can he go out and play 150 games over the life of the contract? Because up until this past season, his contract year, he missed time every year. Like every year he was going to miss not just a little bit of time, but significant of time. So I, I look at it this way. Even if he's not ascending maybe necessarily the way I think, and this is who he is, he's still an 800 OPS ball player. He's still a real solid defensive player. He still draws a bleep ton of walks. He still can have an on-base percentage near 400. You just need to do it at a minimum in 130, 140 games. And so, look, there's no way to predict that, obviously. There's no metric that's going to tell you how healthy Brandon Nemo is going to be. But if he's going to play 140 games, not just the intangibles you mentioned, but the production he'll give you, I'd be happy with. We'll keep an eye on that. He's a Boris guy. And when you're a Boris guy, <laughs> you're going to get paid. I and mean, say what you want about him. He gets his clients paid. Now, let's open up that damn mailbag. I appreciate anybody tweeting, especially if you did it right after that just brutal, awful, disgusting New York Jet loss. And for our Giant fans out there, you're probably not as depressed as the Jet fans. But thank you. We are here to distract you. Not just talk Mets baseball, but distract you from the depression that is week number 11 in the National Football League. Now, open up that mailbag, Hoff. What do we got? All right, we open it up. 
So it's funny. We're going to talk about guys that are on the roster right now. Yes. At, at official God's YT, should the Mets lock up Alonzo and McNeil to a long-term extension before they hit free agency like the Braves did with their young talent? Yes, 100%. Uh, I always think it pays to lock these guys up early because if you believe that your guys are good and you believe that the production you've got out of them is legit, I don't think you could go wrong. And I've always felt that way. And I, I think it's a bet that's usually worth it. The only time the bet would not be worth it is if the guy just completely bleeps the bet. And when you look at Jeff McNeil and you look at Pete Alonzo, I don't see either one of them bleeping the bet. I, I think the concern, not, not the concern, it's not the right word. The question with McNeil is how many years do you want to give him? Because he's not young. It's so strange with Jeff because he came up at the age of 26, 27 years old. Jeff McNeil on opening day next year will be almost 31. So for the majority, basically for all of next year, he's a 31 year old and he's got two more years of control. So he's under team control until he's 33 years old. So if you want to buy out arbitration years, great. If you want to now, (coughs) excuse me, get into free agency. How many years do you want to give him? But I think McNeil's the kind of player who's always going to be useful. He's always going to be valuable. He's a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he may be the Mets' second baseman in 2023, but in 2026, if he's still around, he may be the left fielder. He may be the third baseman. You don't know. Alonzo, you know, the more years that go by, the longer you wait on something like this, the more money it's going to cost. You know, the Atlanta Braves have taken some early, early gambles. They paid Michael Harris before his rookie season was even over. They didn't mess around. I mean, think about it. It would be as if the Mets, you know, Francisco Alvarez is on the team next year. It's the middle of July, and the Mets give him a new contract. They say, all right, we're going to buy out all of your arbitration years. Here's a nine-year deal. It takes a lot of guts doing it, but it's a really, really smart gamble. I think with Pete right now, who is now proven, he is proven that he is a top slugger in this sport. And he's also proven something I was just questioning about Brandon Nimmo. Pete plays every day. Pete Alonso has been in the major leagues now for four years. And I'll include 2020 because he didn't miss games in 2020, even though it's not a 162 game season. And in all four years, Pete Alonso plays. So I would love to lock these guys up long-term. I think it saves you money down the road, but I wonder with Pete, if they've waited too long, if Alonzo, who's now been in the majors for four years, is thinking to himself or his agent is thinking, well, I want to stay. I'm so close to free agency. And that's where you can really make your money by forcing a team like Aaron Judges with the Yankees, maybe even DeGrom with the Mets. Hey, you better pay me. I'll go sign with another team. Yeah, but if you like part of like when what is uh, Alonzo's deal up? What is his last year of arbitration? He's got two more years of team control. So he's in his second year of arbitration eligibility. He'll be a free agent in 2025. Now, where I thought the judge deal was extremely under, um, they tried to undercut him with the two, for the seven years, the 213 or 217, whatever it was. If you offered that to Pete Alonzo right now, I think he'd be more willing to sign that. Well, if you offer him that, he will. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's also not, he's also not quite Aaron Judge as much as I love him. 
Uh, he's going to make about $16 million this season from arbitration. And then next year, he'll probably be close to 20. So he's already going to make some money over the next two years. You could go to him right now and give him a five-year deal, which is buying out two years of arbitration and then three free agent years and offer him, you want to say $25 million a year, $28 million a year. Uh, I mean, I'd do it. I want this guy on the team long-term. I think we all do. And I'm not deeply concerned about him. And maybe that's unfortunate, something that the Mets take into account, where they know he wants to be here so badly. So they're like, yeah, you know what? No pressure, no weight, no rush. We can go to free agency, and we know we're not going to lose him. Yeah. Well, that's backfiring with the Yankees. So I, I think you can learn from Crosstown Rivals than that. With, now, that's not to say the judge is not going to stay, but the price tag just is going to go through. Well, the Mets, and I know this is predating Steve Cohen, they haven't done a lot of these brave contracts. They haven't done a lot of let's lock these guys up long term. Now, they did it with Wright and Reyes years and years ago, and both turned out to be really smart decisions because they had them on team-friendly contracts, signing them as early as they did. Remember, they gave DeGrom his extension coming off a historical Cy Young season, but they did it before he got to free agency. So you can do it sometimes when a guy's only one year away from free agency like they did with Jake. Um, Look, I'm in favor of it. I mean, that's the overall point. Obviously, you got to work out the money and you got to make guys happy. But you ask me right now, would I want to lock up Pete Alonso long term? Of course I would. Who would be against that? 